Hi, we here at Grace Life would love to help you discover Jesus' unconditional love and grace for you. We pray that this message will be a blessing to you and further establish you in the truth of God's Word. Amen. So I want to start off this morning just with a bit of expectation management. You know, even in business, that's, ever, that's always a good idea. People think you're going to change the world for them and you need to tell them, okay, it's going to take some time. Um, you need to, to, to manage the expectation. But also I want to maybe stir up the expectation. So um, maybe just want to communicate the expectation. The question that I want to ask you this morning is why are you here today? Why are you here today? Now, I'm sure if we go around past the mic, we'll have a few different answers. Maybe some would be the guy next to me or the lady next to me said, let's go. Um, maybe that's your reason. Maybe it's what you do on a Sunday. Maybe you're looking for a church. Maybe uh, you've got some good friends here. Um, but that's a really important question because if you don't have the right reason for being here, you might leave disappointed. Um, and I want you to, to not leave disappointed, obviously. I want you to receive what God has for you. So why are we here today? Why do we have church? Why do we gather? We gather to grow, to overflow. Okay? That's what Grace Life is all about. We gather, so we do it in community, to grow, to be equipped, to, to be raised up, to understand the Word better, to become more mature in what we do. And then we want you to overflow. We don't want you to sit and cheer us on as we do the work of the ministry, because Ephesians 4.12 says, And their calling, the leaders, is to nurture and prepare. I love that, from the Passion Translation. To nurture and prepare all the holy believers to do their own works of ministry. So you know what? When I leave here today, my job is done and yours are just starting. Not like it's, it's not like that because I'm going to continue in the week, obviously, equipping people, reaching out, ministering because I love to do that. But our job is to nurture and prepare the believers to do their own works of ministry. And as they do this, they will enlarge and build up the body of Christ. You see, often we want to build the church and we think buildings, we think uh, more services, more programs. But building the church really is building the people. Because the church is the body of Christ, it's the people of God. So when we're building two people, we are building the kingdom. Amen? We are building the church, we're building the body. And the word, the word here says so beautifully, and do, in doing this, they will enlarge and build up the body of Christ. So ask yourself, is, if I myself and some of the leaders here, we go out this week and we're on, we have a good week. We're just on fire and we, we each see five people touched, reached, born again, whatever. Say we're five of us, so it's 25 people for the kingdom. Now, I don't know how many people are in the hall, but say there's 60, 70 of us. So if each of us just reach one person, it's already two, three times what it would be if we just wait for the leaders to do it and have the best week ever. So that's really the purpose of God, is to, to reach out, to help people get to, to, um, to be born again, born from above, to enter, if you will, into a spiritual realm, a spiritual reality, and union with Christ through the Holy Spirit, but then also, God says that He's not willing that any should perish, but all come to repentance. That's the first step. But He's also willing and wanting that everyone grows in the fullness of the knowledge of truth. In John 16, Jesus says to His disciples, There's many things I yet want to tell you, but you cannot bear it, for your, my time has not yet come, basically. And then John, in brackets, there tells us what Jesus is actually saying, and He says, Because the Holy Spirit has not yet come. Okay, so how did John know that? I think Jesus whispered it in his ear. Because that's the kind of relationship Jesus and John had. Because you don't read that in any of the other Gospels. Okay, so I'm saying a lot of things just to set you up. Because we need to know why we are here. We are here because we gather. Okay, We gather here on a Sunday. Not to tick a box. 
We gather here to receive so that we can be equipped, so that we can grow, so that we can get, get some inflow into our lives. And I want you all to get so much inflow that it starts to overflow. And when it overflows, that is when the kingdom really gets, uh, gets excited because now we, we're moving forward in this. So what I'm sharing with you today is sort of in line with where we've been, what we've been looking at. And it almost goes back to the, the analogy of the, the two trees. So we, we a while back started teaching on the two trees and we looked at the tree of knowledge of good and evil. We looked at the tree of life. And then we went through the journey of the Bible and we basically looked at Genesis and Revelation and said, okay, but there's two trees in Genesis, but there's only one that makes it to Revelation. And why? Okay, I don't want to rehash all of that. But really, Jesus is the tree of life. And we want to eat of that tree and we want to become one with Him. And now Revelation says that there is a tree of life which, which bears fruit 12 months of the year. It leaves, never fades, and that is the healing of the nations. Okay? The healing is, is a therapy. It is where we get therapy from. So a lot of Christians just want to say be healed and they don't want to touch a leper. But the word there is to touch, to, to nurture, to take time, to be among, to, to massage like a physiotherapist, if you will, to take a real interest. So the nations are hurting. Amen? Anyone agree with me? But we have the answer. No, we don't just have the answer. We are the answer. Okay? But what I want to share with you then is we, we looked at we need to uproot some of our thinking. Because we have intently or inherently a good and bad scale, if you will. Or you have this judge on the inside and you know some things are good and some things are bad. Some things are good and some things are evil. But if we think about it, there's two trees in the garden. And the one tree was about the knowledge of good and evil. So you knowing what is right and wrong, is on, that's on the wrong side of the spectrum. As Christians, we struggle with that because we live in good lives, or we think we do, or we try to at least. But the word is, there's a tree of life, and then there's the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Interesting, there's not a tree of life and death. Because death is nothing but the absence of life. So when they ate of the wrong tree, that's why they died, because they did not partake of life. Okay, but that's a whole teaching by itself. I'm just giving you a quick update. Then we looked at what is a sinner. And we said a sinner is not what you do right or wrong because that's of the wrong tree. A sinner is someone who does not have the Spirit of God, who has not eaten, if you will, of the tree of life, which says then actually receive the Spirit of Christ and that's how we live forever. Okay, we live forever when? When we get eternal life. And what is, what is, it, what is eternal? There's only one that's eternal and it's God. But Ecclesiastes says that there's eternity in the hearts of men. So everyone in the world knows that they actually have an eternal problem. They drink, they smoke, they do whatever to forget that. But they know that, to numb that, because there's that ache, there's that yearning for what happens hereafter. Where do I come from? Why am I here? Where am I going? All of that speaks to eternity. So that's the problem. There's a global problem, and it's always been the problem, is how, how do I deal with eternity? Where do I come from? Is there someone bigger than I, what's the purpose, why am I here, and where am I going? Like, not just in this life, but in the life you're after. Is there an afterlife? Okay, so all of that speaks to this, this, this knowledge of good and evil versus what is right and wrong. And what I want to do this morning is I want to challenge, and I want to hopefully bring you to a conclusion of what is wisdom. And that's why we have this very elaborate uh, setup here. And I'm asking you this morning, what is wisdom? 
And the more I've been thinking about this and meditating on it, wisdom really is it's one of those things that people have been looking for. It's one of those things that, that is, it, it is like, they say, if you do research in music, it is every tribe in the world, ever, wherever they found them, for whatever time or century they lived, there was a kind of music. Either inscribed or this. No one taught us to do music, but there's music. Like, if they've never seen anyone else, they have a set of drums, or they... Why? Because it's a heartbeat. It's, it's a beat. So it's godly. There's a rhythm to it. And I believe the same in wisdom. There's, we've got wise men from the east. Okay, we have, we have this sense of wisdom, and now we have some people speaking about ancient wisdom. And wisdom that never changes. But, but what is wisdom? It's not new. It's not a new phenomenon. We have the guys like Pythagoras, Socrates, Confucius. Confucius and confusion. It's, apparently Confucius was a wise guy. He wasn't, wasn't causing confusion. But people have been searching for, and may I add, seduced by wisdom since the beginning of time. Okay, I'm going to say that again. People have been searching for and seduced by wisdom literally since the beginning of time. And I'll show you from Genesis 3 how we get there. So, Genesis 3 and verse 1 says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God has made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. Okay, so there's, there's this tree. It's the tree of what? The knowledge of good and evil. And we don't want to eat of that because why? The wages of sin is death. That really gets highlighted in the Ten Commandments. Because the Ten Commandments is nothing but the knowledge of good and evil. But it says the, the, the ministry of death written and engraved in stones. Anyone ever heard that? Okay, if you eat of this tree, you will surely die. You see, it's nothing new. The Israelites wanted to do it themselves. God said, I'll be your king, I'll be your priest, I'll be your minister, I'll be your life. No, we want what others have. It was unwise. But they wanted priests. That's the one we struggle with, but I can show you that. Mr. Median... um, or the, the high priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, was actually a key figure in, in the whole sacrificial system. Now, I mean, we wouldn't listen to your father-in-law, but we'll speak to Moses about that one day. His father-in-law was the priest of Midian. So where do they come up with all the ideas? Anyways, let's not get sidetracked. We have the nations, and they have kings. And the Israelites say, we want a king. And God says, I'm your king. No, 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 we want a king that we can see. We want a king that's strong. We want a king. He says, hey guys, you're going to make your children slaves. He's going to send them to war and you're going to pay taxes. Who's in? Oh, we're all in. <laughs> How dumb can you breathe? Be and still breathe. Huh? 
We're all in. Why? Because it's the wisdom of this world. In this world, we need a sacrificial system. In this world, we need a temple. We want a building where we can see and go. In this world, we want a king because we can trust in his power. It's all the knowledge of good and evil. It's all what we can taste, hear, smell, see, and feel. And that's what Eve says here to the, to the snake. He says, this tree is good to the eyes. You'll see it now. Verse 4 says, the serpent said unto the woman, you shall not surely die. Is he lying? He's lying. When he opens his mouth, how do you know the devil is lying? When he opens his mouth, okay? So better watch out. For God does know that in the day you eat thereof, then your eyes will be opened, and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. This is deep, but what does he say there? If Gary shared it beautifully. He said, if, if we worship, what is worship? Worship is making God, God, and me, me. Worship is taking your place and you're not making yourself level with God. You're, making God. you're letting God be God. And it's actually such a safe place because it's a place from where you know there's someone bigger than you. There's someone eternal. I love to look at the mountains. The psalmist said, I look up to the mountains. He doesn't worship the mountains. He says, I look up to the mountains. Why? I believe it's because then I feel small. And when I feel small and I see a mountain and I think, well, this is not even close to the biggest mountain in the world. So, my God made this mountain. I feel small and I love it. Because there's someone bigger than I. And that's really worship. But what the, the snake here is doing is, it, you want to be as God. So basically, you're going to stop worshipping God. And you're going to start worshipping something else. You're going to worship carnality. You're going to worship people. You don't want God to be the king. you rather serve Saul. You don't want God to be your sense of life. You'd rather search through a sacrificial system. You want to be in control. Isn't that what it's about? We want to taste, hear, smell, see, feel. We want to know where the temple is so we can go there. We want to know what the sacrifices require so that we can pay it. We want to know what the king is so we can honor him. But that's everything that's not faith. And that's at the end of the day what it's about. Are you a believer or are you not? And what do believers do? What do leaders do? Leaders lead. Believers? Believe. Okay, so I'm not asking, are you saved? You see, you get salvation faith, and then you live by faith. As you receive the Lord, not through your own works, through grace, through faith, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, by grace you've been saved through faith, yet not of works. It is the gift of God. So how do you live? By grace, through faith. As you've received, so walk. Now, verse 6 says, And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise. That hit me like a can of cold water yesterday. That's why I say we've people have been seduced by the search for wisdom. Desirable to make one wise. So wisdom by itself is not necessarily virtuous. And that's what I'm challenging today. Because we have an inherent knowledge or feeling or preposition, if you will, that wisdom is good. Read Proverbs. It will make you wise. 
So why I'm entitled this two kinds of wisdom is because there's two kinds of wisdom. If you read the word wisdom and you go into the Hebrew there, it really speaks to the, the intelligence side of things, which is knowledge, which is intelligence. It's who's the highest IQ? Who's the most clever? Who's got the most degrees? Who can run the world? Who's done the most online courses? Who's the biggest profile on LinkedIn? If I bring it to, to where we are today. Because why? It brings pride. It brings who's the profi with the most PhD students. Oh, now we're getting close to home, aren't we? There's nothing wrong with having education. Please don't go out and say, Peter said, there's, I'm just saying, education won't give you eternal life. Because there's more. And that's why I said the words that came out was amazing. Because it's, we have a different mind. We now have the mind of Christ. We used to not have it. Why? Because Eve ate of the wrong tree. Why? Because she was desirable or deceited or seduced by human wisdom. Earthly wisdom. You can read James 3 and it speaks about two kinds of wisdom. And it says the first is earthly, sensual. But that's not the wisdom from above. What is sensual? Don't get awkward, it's fine. What you can see, taste, smell, feel. You've got five senses. So everything of that is sensual. It's by the senses. It goes right back to Genesis 3. The kind of wisdom of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. What you can taste, smell, see, feel. It was good to the eyes, was good to touch, good to look at, desirable to make you wise. If we say that, some of us might say, yes, please. It's something beautiful. It's something desirable. It's something delicious. It's wisdom. So that's why we have what we have there. And, and, and what is wisdom then? So she took the fruit, eat thereof, and did eat, and, and, and you know, took the fruit and did eat. And she gave unto her husband who was with her, and he did eat. So now was that wise or was that unwise? It was unwise, but now they become intelligent. Meaning they have more knowledge. Now they have knowledge of what is good and what is evil. Stay with me, it will get it will get more clear. It says, and the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. They had more knowledge. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. Is that wise? Is that intelligent? Not so much. I, I really need a fig tree, because if you see the leaves of a fig tree, they become dusty. They become, um, they perish. That's why I say it's not an apple tree, but it's a fig tree. But again, that's a different teaching for another day. So, let's get into the message. 1 John 4 verse 4, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is where? In you, than he that is in the world. They are of the world, therefore speak they of the world, and the world hears them. We are of God. He that knows God heareth us, and he that is not of God heareth us not. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. So I'm bringing this right back to two kinds of wisdom. There's a spirit of error and there's a spirit of truth. There's a kind of wisdom that is wrong. And there's a kind of wisdom that brings truth. There's a kind of wisdom that is from God. And there's a kind of wisdom that is from the world. And James 3 backs that up. So for homework you can go read that. But there's really the spirit of error and the spirit of truth. Which is beautiful is that the little children there in verse 4. It really speaks like 
This guy is coming to his children. And that's what I'm wanting to do today with you as well. As I want to show you as a father shows his children, watch out. There's two kinds of wisdom. Watch out. There's one that will work for you for eternity. And there's one that will work for you maybe for your next promotion. And then give you enough rope to hang yourself. You know those type of things. People will draw you in. The corporate machine will eat you up. You are replaceable. That's how it's designed. Okay, wasn't supposed to say that, was I? Doesn't mean don't be excellent, don't be loving, don't be kind, don't be successful. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying don't be drawn in. Go there with a higher kind of wisdom, the kind that is in God. The greater kind, if you will. So he speaks about his infant, little children or darlings. And that's really the kind term with which God teaches us today. So how do we differentiate? There's two kinds of wisdom. How do we know? Which side are we operating on? So 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 5 says that your faith... What is faith? It's believing. Should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So what you believe doesn't have to make sense. That's what I get from that verse. Well, the the doctrine makes 100% sense that we teach in Christ. But it doesn't make sense to give up your position as leader and start serving people. It doesn't make sense to stop trying to impress God and receive the fact that He loves you already. It doesn't make sense to to stop trying harder when Tamil tells you, listen, you can't impress God more than He's already impressed with you. It doesn't make sense because we want to do stuff, we want to touch stuff, we want to, we want to sacrifice, we want to fast, we want to pray, we want to, we want to do things, we want to know what is good, and we want to do it. But that's the wrong tree. There's a different kind of wisdom, and that's faith. Now, how does faith work? Faith works by love. So this is the end of next week's message. I'm going to give it to you now. The greater kind of wisdom is nothing but love. It's love. God so loved the world. God so loved the world. God speaks in Ephesians 2, or is it Ephesians 3, that there is a, there is a love that passes knowledge. Ephesians 3.19 So there's a love, the God kind of love, the love of Christ, passes, surpasses, goes further than knowledge. Why? It says that you might be filled with the fullness of God. So you're either going to live in love or self-effort. You're either going to operate in love. Love keeps no record of wrong. Love puts others first. Love is patient. Love is kind. doesn't make sense. Love keeps no record of wrong. But you're Peter, I owe an old souffle I better watch out. It will be stupid if I'm not careful. What does love say? You see, it's different. It's a different operating system altogether. There is a knowledge or there is love. 1 Corinthians 2.5, back there, says that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. The question then is, what is wisdom of men, and what is the power of God? Now verse 6 says, Howbeit we speak wisdom 
among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world. You see, this is, my friend Paul, he says, like, it's when you, when you look at a car and you, someone says, buy a red car, or you see there's a red car for sale on We Buy Cars or whatever. What happens? If you've never looked for a, let's use a, an example. You've never dreamed about a Porsche Cayenne. Okay. Now someone wants to buy you one. So wherever you go, you've never really looked out or seen a Porsche Cayenne. Now someone says, hey, I want to give you a Porsche Cayenne. Do you want it? Tell me in a week. What are you going to do every time you stop at a robot? You're going to look around. And what's going to happen? You're going to see a few Porsche Cayennes because it's always been there. You just haven't seen it. And that's really what happened to me this week when I started digging into what is two kinds of wisdom. Now you see it's just all over the show. I mean, 2 Corinthians 6 here, how we speak the wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of the world, that comes to nothing. So on you today is you can either listen and receive or not. But if you don't and it comes to nothing, you cannot say, I didn't tell you so. something uh, that my brother warned me against years ago and I didn't listen and it came to pass and he said, oh good ek wens ek ons sê, ek het jou nie gesê nie, maar ek het like, that's humility so either you humble yourself or there's humility and humbleness is, is much nicer than humility or humiliation humility is better than humiliation, isn't it? so what is this wisdom? That's the million dollar question, isn't it? We said it's love. What is the message of love then? It says we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. What is the mystery? Colossians 1.27, the mystery is revealed, which is now Christ in you, the hope of glory. So it shows you really that this new kind of wisdom, this higher kind of wisdom, this godly kind of wisdom, actually brings glory. Where what is earthly will not bring glory that is eternal, it might not last, obviously. Might be for a moment. You see, you often see sports stars, you see people 23 years old, they win a gold medal, Olympics gold medal. There's nothing more for them to pursue. And a lot of them fall into a very deep depression. Because they reach the pinnacle of their existence according to their understanding at the age of 23, sometimes younger. They win a World Cup. So what? What's next? That's why there's eternity in our hearts, because there's always more. We speak the wisdom of God, even the mystery, even the hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the world unto glory. So again, there's glory. Colossians 1.27, Christ in you, the hope of glory. So what is this? This mystery. It says in Romans 1.14, I'm adepted to both to the Greeks and to the barbarians. Who's the Greeks? The wise, the intelligent, the philosophers. And to the unwise, the barbarians, the barbaric, the, the uncivilized. He says, so as much as is in me, I'm ready to preach what? The gospel. To the wise, to the unwise, because the, the wise is also unwise. The wise in this world is foolish, the word says. So as is in my, me, I'm preached the gospel to you that is in Rome also. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. 
I don't have intelligent words. I don't have many explanations. I don't have all the paperwork. Well, Paul did. He just flushed it down the toilet. I don't have all the things that the accolades of the world are looking for. But what I have, I'm not ashamed of because I have works. What I have is the gospel. It's the mystery revealed. It is God's love for the universe. And it is what saves. It is what speaks to eternity in our hearts. Which was yet unknown, now is known. Which was yet unseen, now is manifested. Which was yet a dream, a promise, a prophecy. But now is the very essence of Christ in us. The hope of glory. Now if you have that down, and you operate from the mind of Christ, don't you think you're going to be better off in this world? Because guess what? Sometimes a good idea is not a God idea. Intelligence, growing in wisdom and understanding of the things of this world is a good idea. But it's not a God idea. How many people in our universities in the pursuit of intelligence, in the pursuit of knowledge, lose their faith? Is it a good idea or is it a God idea? That's why the word says that what is wise to this world is foolishness to God. Because wisdom, if you will, is only one thing. What is wisdom? Now you must check my spelling. Eh? That is what it is. It's nothing else. Because it's the gospel, it's the mystery revealed. Therefore, it says in 2 Corinthians uh, 1 Corinthians 2 verse 7 again, But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom of God, which is ordained before the world unto our glory. I mean, verse 7, go study it out. The gospel has always been there before, before the sin. The tree of life was there. That was the plan. Eat of the tree of life. Why didn't you? Because we want to be wise. We want to be intelligent. We don't want to worship God as God. Which none of the princes of this world knew. The princes there is the powers, the principalities. For had they known it... Oh, I love the sarcasm here. Die wereld is so weiss that they're going to kill Jesus. Stop him. Crucify him. Thank you very much. Because that's the very plan of God. Thank you, human wisdom for aligning with the plan and the purpose of God, so that we can be eternally saved, because Jesus would not stay there, but He was resurrected, and now He's alive forevermore. Oh yeah, by the way, He made a show of every principality and power, glorifying in their humiliation. Why? Because they were not willing to humble themselves. They were pride, they were arrogant, they were, we will deal with this. And interestingly, the high priest, both of them, which is an abomination by itself, signed off on the death warrant of Christ. Why? Because they thought they knew what is good and what is evil. But they didn't know what is alive and what is spiritual. Two kinds of wisdom. That's why Acts 4.13 says it so beautifully that people were amazed 
at the boldness of Peter and John. Because they perceived. You see, that's the, that's the problem. Eve did what? She perceived the wrong tree. She looked at, she behold, she touched. She looked at, she said, I, I feel like lacquer. Man, nee. Nee. Maar sy het aan jou kyk. Why did the, the snake speak to her there by the tree? Hoekom was sy daar? She wasn't supposed to be there. She was looking, she was beholding, she was drooling. And interestingly it says there, her husband who was with her. You see, they were pursuing sensuality. They were pursuing carnality. They were indulging the flesh, if you will. So the question then is, that when it comes to sin, how far is too far? Or how close is too close? That's the wrong question. It's not about right and wrong, it's about dead and alive. Because when you live according to the gospel, according to Christ in you, then you have a new mind, a new mindset, a new operating system. And the things that you used to struggle with, you're now just so far beyond that. And it takes a little bit of renewing of the mind, but you know that you're now spiritually secure. So why would you even bother to live or to be seduced by humanistic wisdom if you have the mind of Christ? Unfortunately, what I just said is easier said than done. So we need to live in that maturity. Howbeit, we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Verse 6, Howbeit, we speak the wisdom among them that are perfect, complete, yet not the wisdom of this world. There's two kinds of wisdom, the godly kind and the humanistic kind. Daniel 12 and verse 3. So Daniel was quite a wise guy, wasn't he? He was. He was, he, he, was, he was wise and he was intelligent. He had a good upbringing, but he didn't rely on that. He was willing to lose everything, just like Paul was, for the sake of God's kingdom. And he says to us in Daniel 12, 3, And they that be wise, oh, okay, shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. That is prophecy on the highest level. That takes it back to Genesis and it brings it all the way to Revelation in one sentence. They that be wise. Okay, hold on to your horses. Proverbs. What is Proverbs? The book of wisdom. So you read Proverbs, do you get intelligence or do you get wisdom? Watch out. There's two levels. So Proverbs 11.30 is what it's all about. It says, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. Okay, it takes us back to the tree. And he that winneth souls is wise. When I resigned my, 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 my job to go into ministry, people thought I was unwise and irresponsible. Oh, this blesses me. Why? Because that mark me sinny, Peter. Well, is it a good idea? No, it wasn't a bad idea. It was a terrible idea. Humanistically speaking, but what is the God idea? And I didn't know the steps that would follow, but guess what? I'm still working as a consultant. That wasn't my plan. I look back now and I said, that's the best plan that there is. Work part-time, be in ministry full-time. <laughs> at work they ask me, how many days are you here now? Then I tell them. And they say, at church? I said, no, seven days a week. That's just the nature of what it is. It doesn't make sense. If I look back now, this is the perfect plan. This is how it should be. But it wasn't my plan. 
I didn't have a plan. I had a word from God. And I, 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 I held on to that word and I made sure about that word. Because it wasn't that I just wanted to leave. Oh, I wanted to leave. That big red machine takes you. Five years I worked there. Two years I walked with that calling and I was like constantly chewing on it. I was standing in worship. I can show you in this Bible. That page is all, like, they're worn out because I was reading it, making sure, God, is this you? How does it work? I'm logical. I'm an engineer by education. I work out logical process flows and if it's illogical, it irritates me. When I studied, one of my professors said, remember, common sense is not all that common. People will pay you to bring common sense to the table. And Mr. Common Sense goes and resigns his job and has no clue where the next month's income will come from. Why? Because he said so. Not because it made sense. But because there was a calling, an invitation, if you will, and then that response was by faith. Now that was one highlight in my life. And it worked out pretty good until now, so it's easy to share. There's some that don't work out so good because other people make mistakes or things don't work out. That doesn't mean we didn't hear God. It doesn't mean that God is bad. It doesn't mean any of those things. We still live in a fallen world. And guess what? When we leave here, not all of us are going to take what we heard today and go apply it 100%. Probably none of us. So now you need to maneuver through this. How do you do it? You constantly go back to default. The wisdom of God. The wisdom of God. The wisdom of God. How do you operate in that? God, how do I deal with this situation? I know what the plan is. I know maybe it's fire the person. That's obvious. God, is that what you want? Is that the best for the situation? Sometimes we come to God often with A or B. Black or white. Left or right. And what does a good teacher, pastor, mentor often hopefully say to you? What did God say? Because we come to a T-junction and there's a different avenue, but it is invisible. But we see left and right. We see black and white. We see resign or don't. We see full-time ministry, full-time employment. But God says, I've got higher, higher thoughts. The problem is we don't realize the access that we have to those higher thoughts. Because we live in an Old Testament mindset that God is far. But now you have the wisdom of God. You have the mind of Christ. The problem is, what mind are you operating from? He that winneth souls is wise. Right there in the middle of the book of wisdom, there's a definition of true wisdom. Righteousness, eternity, the God kind. Let's go to Psalms. Psalm 19.7. Again, we're back in the Old Testament. The law of the Lord is perfect. Oh, grace people, fix your seatbelt. What is the law? It's not the Ten Commandments. Go read the Hebrew. It's Torah. The first five books of the Bible is perfect. The first five books of the Bible is complete. The first five books of the Bible completes and includes the fullness of God's plan, including Christ on the cross, including righteousness by faith, including the revelation fruit that we bear in, uh, in, in Revelation 22. It's all there. Why? Because God's plan has been there since the foundation of the world. Now, if you knew here today, you think me crazy man. Go into SoundCloud and just listen to the last five or six weeks. Because there's a lot there that I'm just picking from today. But it says here, the law of the Lord is perfect. I don't want to focus on that so much. Converting 
the soul. The New Testament says that the law cannot give you righteousness. That law there is commandments. It's ten commandments and the 630 odd others. The law here is not the same word. It's Torah. It's the story of Abraham, the story of Moses, the Exodus, Genesis 3.15, where God speaks to the snake and says, Guess what, snake? This woman's seed, oh yeah, that's a gospel story, that's the virgin birth, by the way, he's going to crush your head. That's perfect. It's the, part, it, it's the mystery. It's the story. It's the promise. It's the covenant. But it's still hidden. It's still in story form. It's a, a, allegory. The testimony of the Lord is... Sure, the word testimony, there's promise. It's gospel. It's covenant. It is what God has promised. His gospel message. Why? Because it already existed right in the beginning. Now listen to the end of the verse. Making wise the simple. Making wise the simple. What does that mean? It means converting the soul. It speaks about salvation. Bringing wisdom to the simple, making wise the simple, is the same as converting the soul. It is salvation. It is having that download from heaven, the Spirit of God, in someone simple, someone humanistic. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says what? All things have been made new. So what was your definition of wisdom before you got saved? And has it been renewed after you got saved? I'm currently running so many things through that loop. And it's a bit scary. Because what we thought wisdom was is not necessarily the wisdom that is from above. You can be more excited because it's not bad news, it's good news. It means I've got more for you. There's better things on the way already in you, probably. The first five books has everything we need, if you understand it correctly. Converting the soul, making wise the simple. The simple there is the seducible. Back to Genesis 3. She was seduced by wisdom. Now, if you have the mind of Christ, you have the Holy Spirit in you, you are not as seducible as you were before, because now you can see the schemes of the devil. You can look through his plans. Also, the foolish, the open-minded. Open-minded, we have a, a sense you need to be open-minded, you need to think outside the box. The word there is more open-minded that whatever f- comes in falls out. Th- that's what we must be careful of, that whatever we receive doesn't fall out because we're always open to new ideas. Don't be carried about with strange doctrines, new doctrines, entertaining doctrines. Hold on to what is good. Don't be seduced by doctrine, by teaching. Don't have itchy ears. Now this is not intelligence. It is, again, that truth, that that love that goes beyond knowledge. That's the wisdom there. So the true kind of wisdom, and where do we get it? 2 Timothy 3.15 says, And that from a child you has known the Holy Scripture. So Paul writes to Timothy. And Timothy grew up a, a Jew... Titus grew up Greek. Okay, so he comes from the, the wisdom side of things, the earthly wisdom. But he gave up his Greek heritage to become kingdom heritage. 
He converted from the earthly kind of wisdom to the godly kind. But now he's speaking to Timothy. He says, you have known the Holy Scriptures. The Holy Scriptures, I mean, Timothy is not yet written. He's busy writing it. Okay? Revelation is not yet written. So what is the Scriptures? What is the Holy Scriptures? It's the Old Testament. It's Genesis to Malachi. So he says, you've known that since a child. Okay, so John didn't exist when Timothy was a child. Matthew, Mark, Luke, Acts, it wasn't yet written. So he has to refer to the Old, the Old Testament here, Genesis to Malachi. He says, which is able to make you wise for, the King James says, unto, which I prefer. To make you wise unto salvation. Okay. Through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. You see, once you see it, this red car, this Porsche Cayenne, it's, it's literally everywhere. So the Scriptures, the, the Old Testament, has enough to make you wise unto salvation to get you saved. It's still Jesus, by the way, He says it. Before you think Moses or anyone else is going to save you, He says, through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. And we've been on a journey this last year, probably now, of condensing the Word. And these are all scriptures that backs that idea. Because what we read in Genesis should bring you unto faith in Christ. What you read in Exodus should bring you into faith in Christ. What you read in Proverbs should bring you unto faith in Christ. Now he says there, don't visit your neighbor or don't be loud in the morning because your neighbor is not going to be so happy with you. That, that's good. <laughs> that, that's, that's a good idea. It's probably a God idea because he says, love your neighbor. Okay, so there is practical application to what I'm sharing today, but I'm just saying to you, it's not practical first. Because it's first spiritual, and then it manifests in the carnal. Makes you wise unto salvation. So what he says basically is, getting saved is a good idea. That's what he's saying. It's the wisest idea out there, is to get saved. Now, the world doesn't agree, do they? Oh, Christian, I'm sure. Don't you have better things to do? Well, you don't want to know what's in my head right now, so I'll just keep it there. 1 Corinthians 2 5 from the Passion. For God intended that our faith not be established on man's wisdom, but by trusting in his almighty power. Verse 7. Instead, we continually speak of this wonderful wisdom that comes from God, hidden before, now in a mystery. It is his secret plan, destined before the ages to bring us into glory. That's the wisdom of God. True wisdom was concealed in a mystery, is now almost too good to be true. It is the gospel that leads to salvation. Listen to verse 18. Let no man deceive. Sorry, 1 Corinthians 3.18. Let no man deceive himself. If any man among you seems to be wise in this world, let him become a fool. Why? That he may become truly wise. Yes, I love God's sense of humor. Make me preach this in Stellenbosch. If anyone is wise in this age, this, this, this generation, this, this, let him become a fool. Why? Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and He will lift you up. That is salvation. Humble yourself. God, I cannot save myself. Let me save you. God, I cannot help myself. Let me help you. God, I cannot lead my own life. Let me lead you. Lord, help me. Let me save you. 
Let no man deceive himself. Oh, we like to blame the devil. Why did the devil show up where, where Eve was? Because she was already deceived. She was already seduced. She was already looking, touching, drooling. She was already at the tree. And he just helped her get over the edge. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. John 10 is key because it says the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And again, we like to say that's the devil. Don't start in verse 10. Start in verse 1. Start in John 1. If you come, it says, Those who enter by the gate is, my, my shep- is, is, is of my sheepfold. But those who enter in by any other way are thieves and robbers. Human wisdom. Religion. Self-ethic. Any other way that is not Christ is a thief and a robber that leads to death. Are you willing to be a fool in this world? When you stop trusting in humanistic knowledge and logic, when you stop trusting in yourself and put your faith in Christ, you become eternally wise, which is salvation. You have the mind of Christ, the spirit of truth. We can be fools because we do not trust in ourselves. We are therefore able to live unashamed, trusting fully in the gospel of Christ. What a place to live. What a place of freedom. Romans 1.16 For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. For the Jew first and also the Greek. For those who think they're wise, there's more wisdom. For those who are wise in this world, there's more. Now, that's Romans 1. Romans 1, 16. Now let's go to Romans, 7, Romans 16. Something else in Bible study that you can do is read the, read the start and read the end. Because like a good letter, a good book, a good speech, there's an introduction and there's an a intro and outro. There's a conclusion. And what he does in the opening is he sets you up. So he sets the tone. He almost highlights the topic. And then at the end he draws a conclusion. So Romans is a difficult book if you, if you need to sit down and read it because it's just going to take you long. Okay, it's 16 chapters, but it's amazing and it builds and it's a structured study of gospel of grace. But in verse 1 he says, I only have the gospel. Or in, in Romans 1.16, and I'm not ashamed of it. Then in Romans 16, verse 27, which is almost at the end, he says, To God only wise be glory through Christ Jesus forever. Amen. What does only mean? No other. There's only one place. So where is wisdom? True wisdom. The godly kind of wisdom. The wisdom from above. The wisdom that brings life. Only in God. And how do we access it? Through Christ Jesus. You see, that's why we have what we have here. And I've realized that my spacing is a bit out, but... It basically says, if Jesus is wisdom, then no Jesus 
is no wisdom. Follow the logic? Whoa, that sounds like an alien. If you're in marketing, they know you never, you never end on a negative statement. So this is not a good statement, even though it's true. Okay? So to know Jesus... is to know wisdom. And it's really that simple. Acts 4 and verse 13 from the Passion Translation. And I'll share with you very quickly a personal testimony around this. So, when I was studying to be, like people say, what do you Like, no, it's not, it's not, what is it? What mark you? Like, I'm Peter, but I studied to do the work of an engineer. I'm not a pastor, I'm not Pastor Peter, I'm Peter who does the work of a pastor. I fulfill the function of a pastor. So, when I was in university, I was, after I got saved, the end, beginning of my third year, I was, I was zealous. I was, I was on fire. I was a rebel in grace. We had Joseph Prince CDs. One of the guys was working at Investec. He was a bit older. So he paid in Singapore dollars to bring CDs in. There wasn't SoundCloud. There wasn't YouTube. There wasn't those things. It wasn't freely available. He would order CDs and they would post them. And then what we would do is we will duplicate those CDs and we will stack them on tables and we had like secret meetings where people came in and you can just take as many CDs as you want to. We listened to Joseph Prince so much we couldn't get enough of it. We couldn't find a church. We, we started one. We were just on fire for God. And, and I was joining a, a, a society or a movement called the Tux Student Missions Movement. Lo and behold, I was welcomed but not to the pulpit. Not ever given a mic. It was good to facilitate sports ministry, organize camps, all those things. And what I heard was not what saved me. And the reason I wasn't given the mic is because I wasn't study a student in theology. It was simple. There was people studying to be duemnies and reverence and whatever, so they were the ones entrusted with the doctrine. And I felt we had more to give. But some of my friends went and had secret meetings. So we were in Swaziland on a mission, and they had secret meetings on the mountain. And we got people saved there. We had a 24-hour prayer circle. And I was sitting there at 2 in the morning, and everyone was asleep in the prayer room. So I said, hey, come here. And I sat them in a circle, and I said, you're wasting God's time and yours. Let me tell you something. I shared with them the gospel. They got born again right there. We had camps. I called it good news camps. Anyone was welcome. It was, we booked five campsites, whoever would come. We shared the gospel. People got saved. But I wasn't given a microphone. But I was okay with it. Because I was where God was. And I was where God wanted me. And I was learning and I was observing and I was, I was being taught things. But people saw something. And I said, God, what is this? 
And he gave me this verse. He says, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men. You see, I didn't have the certificate. I didn't have the, the paperwork. I wasn't going along the wisdom of this world to get to where God was wanting. I was willing. I said, God, I will. If you want me to, I'll, I'll, I'll go to Quirk School. I'll get a degree. Because if that is what opens the door for me to share this good news, that is what I will do. And God says, no, you don't need to. But they marveled. And they realized that they had been with Jesus. And I want to leave you with that thought this morning. You don't need all the accolades. You don't need the paperwork. You don't need anything but Christ. People will recognize it. They will perceive it. They will see it. They will taste it. They will smell it. And it says in the Passion Translation, Then they began to understand the effect Jesus had on them simply by spending time with Him. Simply by spending time with Him. That is the true wisdom. is intimacy with your Father. It's oneness with Christ. It is not according to this world. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. And help transform others. Because to know Jesus is to know wisdom. If you just tell stories of how you made good decisions, that's not a testimony. But if you stand here and you share stories, or you go out and you share stories of how you, it didn't make sense, but it was a step of faith. Because you knew I had a good father. Because you knew he loved you. Because you knew it didn't make sense. It didn't work out like you thought it would. But I knew Jesus. Therefore I knew wisdom. I operate in Jesus. I operate in wisdom. I have the mind of Jesus. I have the mind of wisdom. I have the spirit of God. I operate in God's kind of wisdom. Does that help anyone? There's two kinds of wisdom. The first is earthly, sensual, deceiving, deceptive, seduced, seducible. And then there's the God kind, which is from above, which is love, which is to know God. Because John 17, 3 says, this is eternal love that you know me. That you know me. And that you know Jesus Christ in my son. We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to connect with us, or if you'd like us to pray with you, please contact us at info at gracelife.co. If you'd like to order more resources or discover more about us, you can visit our website at www.gracelife.co or find us on Twitter, Facebook and YouTube.